Alive and Kicking is proudly supported by Classic Football Shirts, the home of classic, rare and retro football shirts. For 100% genuine non-reproduction retro shirts, head to classicfootballshirts.co.uk and use the bonus code AK90s to receive a 10% discount on your order. Welcome back to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than when Ant and Deck were known as PJ and Duncan. My name's Ash Rose, and we've got quite a uh, packed studio tonight. We were meant to have one more, because we've got a team of football manager quiz. That's where we're going after the pod today. So we're off to do a quiz. So there's a few of us in the studio tonight, but the subject matter, what we're talking, is strikers. So yes, 90s strikers um, we'll be talking today. So imagine the sort of plethora of people that are on my list next to me. There are so many that we're going to try and get through. So apologies if we do skip a lot tonight, because we will just try and give at least a mention to all the great strikers that played during these eras. So before we meet my guest tonight, um, just do the homework. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at AK90s. So drop us any comment or, as I always say, any mementos from that era that you have hiding in your lofts. We love to see them. So do tweet us or or drop us a like on Facebook. Um, And also, just if you want us to talk about anything uh, 90s, we've we've had lots of themes so far, but we're always open to, to more themes. If you want us to talk about something in particular, please do drop us a tweet. Uh, we are still sponsored brilliantly and quite proudly by Classic Football Shirts as well. And if you go onto their website, classicfootballshirts.co.uk, get yourself a proper retro shirt that's from the era, not a replica. They're actually from the time that they were made. Um, you can get 10% off when you enter the code AK90s. Uh, we also had a competition running uh, over the past month with the guys, and we have picked a winner. So well done to John Hissett, who you've won yourself a £30 voucher for the site. If you get in contact with us on Twitter, we'll get that sorted for you um, and there'll be another competition as well where i will find something nice and 90s for you guys to win this week right on to tonight's guest then once we've got that all the homework out of the way um, we've got someone that we just can't keep away at the moment someone who's quite welcome every time he's here hello ash hey there he is millwall fan and i'm gonna say it again kent teacher of the year rob gallagher <laughs> good evening uh, good evening uh, next to him um, long-term supporter of the pod and the book itself which it, it spawns from and Self-confessed Ian Wright lover, which we will greatly talk about in a bit. Uh, Arsenal fan Peter Hunt. Hi, Ash. Good evening. And finally, we're going to foray into overseas, which we've never done before. And I'm going to try and pronounce Zav's name correctly. So, PSG fan, Xavier Cantagalli. How do I do? Not too bad, actually. Not too bad. Not too bad, yes. Brilliant. Well, we'll talk to the guys. Bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, we'll talk to the guys then in, about strikers in just a second, get their CVs and stuff. But before we do, here's a few things that happened in the 90s this week. 10th of November 1994, you might have seen on Twitter this morning we posted it, Joe Royal was appointed Everton manager and Ron Atkinson was sacked by Aston Villa on the same day. On the 12th of November 1998, Roy Evans resigned as Liverpool manager. On the 13th of November 1999, England beat Scotland in their first leg of the Euro 2000 playoff, which just about kept it 90s there. And on the 15th of November 1997, Rio Ferdinand won his first England cap in a 2-0 win over Cameroon. Yes, he was playing for England that long ago. Right, the CV is going to be slightly different tonight, only because, Rob, this is your third time, hat-trick ball. We would give you a match ball like they do on Soccer AM, but we haven't got one made up yet, so we'll owe you that. Just, just to be here is great. Oh, that's what we like to hear. Um, so we'll come to him in a second because we had a bit already from Rob and Millwall. Um, I'm going to go to Pete. 
as he's an Arsenal fan, we've had a few Arsenal fans on now. So the, the first question, to sum up the 90s, I'm going to leave because I think we've established it was two different parts. Two halves, halves Rioc in the middle. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So we'll go straight to his player, which ties in lovely with the theme tonight <laughs> because I'm assuming you're going to say the name I think you're going to say. So best club player of the 90s, Wax Lyrical, Peter Hunt. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's Ian Wright. You've already mentioned Ian Wright was... He was, he was basically my hero. I went out on a Sunday morning playing football and I was trying to recreate what Wrighty was doing for Arsenal. You know, the goals, uh, off the top of my head, things like uh, the, the double lob over the defender and then o- goal, o- yeah. over Neville Southall. Yeah. I mean, Southall just kind of stood there like, oh my God. <laughs> I had no chance with no that. No mug goalkeeper either uh, Neville No, Southall. exactly. And, you know, he, he, was, he was pure class. He, 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 he summed up the 90s as a striker I think as well because he, he had that sort of pace and mean streak as well yeah exactly and very different to what the strikers are, are mm. today um, I, I wouldn't say he'd probably tell you himself he, you know he wasn't the most skillful player I wouldn't have thought but you know his, his pace and his love of the game and you know his, his never give up attitude yeah. and he came to the game so late so he did yeah and he had to risk a lot to get there as well so you know, for me, absolute hero. And I think you know. it's attestable to Ian Wright as well, because like you say, when he, he was probably a bit raw coming into yes. it a bit late, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the way he changed his game and moulded it around an Arsenal Wenger Arsenal, which yeah. many thought when he arrived would, would Wright kind of, you know, like Merson was bombed out quite early, yeah. but he kind of, he adapted to that. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, I mean, obviously coming from a George Graham Arsenal, mm. um, a boring, boring mm. Arsenal, a, a 1-0 to the Arsenal, a long ball Arsenal, if you like. Um, then changing into the the Wenger era, which was a lot more technical. Um, I think the players around helped. You yeah. know, having having your Burr camps, obviously Vieira came mm. in, um, having that solid base still. Tony Adams, Keown, Winterburn, Dixon. It that all helps a striker. Um, it is a t- it obviously it's, it's a team game, but mm. uh, yeah, he he adapted his game. He he, he changed it. it he, he just is that good I just, I don't, you can I just, see the love I, like, yeah. <laughs> I have to say this as well Pete was so gutted I don't know if anyone saw the Ian Wright game that he oh, did a few months ago at Wembley and I think we all tweeted on behalf of Pete to try and yeah. get him to play the game but old Wright he ignored our Peter Hunt so yeah not, you know, we're not happy with him but if he wants to come on on the pod and explain why he didn't we're more than welcome Ian Wright before Definitely. we do our other 90s either, a quick word on Ian Wright because in case we don't probably get to mention him later on for Rob and Zav why do you think he didn't get more England caps I think unfortunately there was probably uh, a few players at, at that time just so many players in our England squad who didn't get enough caps I mean Robbie Fowler was another mm. one who didn't get enough England caps uh, Letizia not strictly a striker but should have got, my list, but yeah. got more England mm. caps and really you know you had your players like your Sheringhams your Shearers uh, Michael Owen started emerging as well in the late, mm. late 90s and you think it, Ian Wright had quality, fantastic goal scorer, but he didn't have that quality to put him in that echelon mm. of player like Shearer, Sheringham, Owen, and players like that. And he was just a, one of many that would have got into any international team at the time. Particularly now. But oh, he's he walking now. Yeah. But, you know, he wasn't going to get into that time because he just simply didn't have the quality. Mm. So, do you agree? Do you think yeah, that absolutely, yeah. he had a slight reputation as well? Do you think that when there is so many to choose from, do you think that went against him? Yeah, he probably played against him, but um, yeah, like Rob was saying, it's basically just the the amount of quality strikers that there were at the time. Probably as well something that we don't really talk about that much, but the the amount of games there were just obviously less games played at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just the the, the quality of, of strikers that were that were there, and probably as well the the way England played probably wasn't 
to his strength. Deep, to, yeah, to his strength. Yeah. No, it's a good point. And um, I think he's my favourite thing, and his contribution to the nineties was "Do the Right Thing." I don't know if you remember <laughs> the the hit single. I say hit single, but it was. I think it reached number sixty something in the charts. And Have you all, got a copy of it? Ash? I, well, I had I had it for the book. <laughs> it's my defence. It is in the book, um, and I think it, I think I saw him the other week talking about it. And he's in the video. He wears a ridiculously silly hat, and it's like those low budget video where it looks like they're playing five aside at a disco, which just sounds like some bad football in nineties dream to me. So. Who hasn't? Oh, come on. Yeah, exactly. That's what, <laughs> well, we, you know, that's what discos were when we were kids. So, right, back to Pete then, because we're still on the CVs. Um, outside of Arsenal then, best 90s player for you? Outside of Arsenal. Um, is all right, I'm going to go Italian. I'm going to go, go Del Piero. Oh, um, good choice. Just because I, I haven't heard him mention much. No, so not at all. It was his birthday again, yesterday not, as well. Not strictly a striker, but... It, he was one of those sort of playmakers. I would choose probably Burkamp if I could. Yeah. Um, but he was kind of in that same sort of mould. Um, and it was it was always the Sunday mornings watching Football Italia. James Richardson, yeah. Yeah, um, going to Milan. Mm. Um, and just waiting to see what he'd do next. Because there, there was always something about the Italian league where... I, it was just like there was something going to happen. Someone was going to score an overhead kick from, from the edge of the area and... There was that kind of um, fascination with it for me, the yeah. Italian game. Not, well, you didn't have the blanket coverage that you do. Like a kid doesn't realise now that we had no none of that. Well, no, we had no, no Spanish league. We had no it's five all, channels yeah, exactly. of foreign football. We had Gazzella della Sport on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, exactly and right. Sunday, we, I think we had a live game. Live game on yeah. Sunday. James Richardson right, outside yeah. reading the paper. Big ice cream. Yeah, big ice cream. <laughs> that is kind of what we had. But Del Piero, great shout. Um, yeah, as I said, it was his birthday yesterday. So a happy, many happy returns to Del Piero. That's across the channel then for the first time on the pod and. and talked to Zav about PSG which would be quite interesting sum up PSG then in the 90s it was um, quite interesting actually because it's a bit of a bit of a weird one because basically a decade where we kind of became a a big team if you want Uh, we're getting some really good results especially in Europe Um, we're actually the the first and only team to play five different five successive semi-finals in the three different uh, European Cups Mm. Um, but um, it, yeah, it's the decade where we grew. We became a big team. We were bought by uh, Canal Plus, which was a, like the equivalent of Sky yeah. one in France. Um, and but really, we were kind of typical Paris. We just underachieved. Really, we only won the league once. Uh, especially, obviously, domestically. Like I said, yeah, the league once uh, the cup a couple of times the league cup as well a couple of times um and when really we should have done better um just because obviously we're paris so we should we should have been better <laughs> is um, that on your badge Paris <laughs> <laughs> yeah. man better than you yeah. <laughs> um but we are we are better than everyone else in france we are at the moment yeah it's nothing to do with a lot of money um, you have but yeah absolutely and but, um, yeah and there's lat yeah and so, so um, you 90s player I think this is probably an easy one for you isn't it it's actually, it was actually quite difficult because we had quite a few very very good players um, but I went for um, David Ginola okay yep um, so many won't know obviously listening to this obviously we saw what we saw of him for Newcastle for Tottenham was he as good for PSG he was he was as good yes um, he, he was only at Paris for three or four years I think something like that um, but they're basically kind of like my, my first memories as, as a football fan, um, and yeah, he, he was just amazing, quick, technical, um, and got his uh, his nickname of uh, El Magnifico after a, a semi final against Real Madrid, where he just tore them apart basically. 
Uh, and then, yeah, the Spanish press afterwards just nicknamed him the, yeah, El Magnifico. Uh, so, yeah, David Ginola. Good choice, quite good tough, choice. but... And outside of PSG, are you going to go over to the shores or are you going to stick in Europe? I'm going to, yeah, stick to you. It's a bit of a random one. Just I like the same that. Same thing. It was, um, it, it was my uh, favourite player as a kid just because uh, every time I saw him play, he, he, he was amazing. Uh, Steve McManaman. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, played, played a couple of times against Paris when we played him in the uh, in a Cup Winners' Cup quarter final, I believe. Uh, around 95, 96 mm. Mm. Um, and we beat them 3-0 at home and uh, they won 2-0 away but obviously went through on aggregate but he was he was amazing that night um, and then I came to England uh, the next summer just for on, on the holiday to see the family and watched a, a Liverpool game and same thing it was just it was just amazing mm-hmm. and every time I saw him play Steve McManaman was, was amazing so yeah just a, a massive fan of a it's a good choice because I think he's underrated by British massively. audiences just because you look what he did at Real Madrid is it's quite ridiculous when to go there win the Champions League score in the Champions Final and be as good as he was do you think he was underrated, Rob? As, Absolutely. As a, Euro 96, he was Pelé's mm. favourite player. I mean... That's not a good... <laughs> yeah, that's just not a good Pelé says. Who hasn't been? Yeah. <laughs> so is Nicky Butt, so... But, you know, the, the thing is, the, the guy's gone out there and done what much, in my opinion, better players yeah. haven't done, which is taken to the, to the foreign leagues, done well, um, you know, progressed, improved their game, won trophies. I mean, how many players can you say that about, mate? Paul Ince done okay in Milan? Yeah. You Certainly not won the Champions League. You think that maybe Paul Lambert is the only one I can think of. I mean, yeah. I mean he's Scottish, obviously, but he's an, it's very few and far between. Absolutely. And Mike Lyon was fantastic and had a great goal scoring record for Real Madrid, yeah. but was never taken never to loved, no. as well as McManaman was. Mm. They loved him out there and he was a fantastic player. Yeah. No, he was uh, somebody who's very vastly underrated. Um, before we speak to today's guest, um, Rob, we're now on your third bit of your CV, and I'm going to do this really quickly. Yep. So, we did your players, we did your game, so we're going to go to goals. So, firstly, best Millwall goal of the 90s for you? Uh, I was thinking about Tim Cahill who wins Screen Shield semi final against Walsall on a Tuesday night, but I'm going to go for Dave Savage away at Chelsea. Uh, we won on penalties over there. Casey Keller, love Is that the FA Cup run? That is the FA Cup Who done the FA Cup that day? Oh, <laughs> that, that year. Three times on here, three times <laughs> mentioned. Now you can't mention that. Sloppy goal, Dimitri Karim, what are you doing? Doesn't matter. Millwall fans going absolutely Garrity, fantastic. Good choice. And then outside of Mill, best goal of the night. We don't, obviously, we've done a goals pod, so I don't know, it could be one of those if you've listened to it or yep. one of your own. Um, personally, something I've already mentioned before, I think just for um, building on Euro 96, England were looking really good. Uh, I've said this before, people disagree, but I think World Cup 98, best chance England had in Yonks yeah. to win the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Mike Lowen's goal against Argentina. Stick that in the back of the net, son. Yeah, great goal, great goal. Well, we'll talk more about strikers in just a second, but we're speaking to one now on the phone. He played for Coventry, Blackburn and Newcastle in the 90s and won the league with Rovers in that famous 95 end of season. It's Kevin Gallagher. Kevin, welcome to Alive and Kicking. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Ash. Thank you. Good to hear from you. You had a, an amazing 90s period for you, but let's start at the very beginning at Coventry where you, you joined from Dundee. What was it like coming from the Scottish Premier League at that time uh, to, to the English game? It was very strange. It was very difficult. Uh, I thought maybe moving house would be difficult, uh, going into things would be difficult, but it was the language I found was very difficult. And a lot of people thought, well, the language is it's English, mm. but, but I had a, a very fast Glasgow accent, so I really had to slow that down. Uh, for people to understand me mm. so it was uh, basically learning to, to talk a little bit more properly 
that I found difficult to start with. Ah, that, that is interesting. You became a quite a, a quite fan favourite commentary. Did you enjoy your time those two seasons you were there? Did you enjoy your time yeah. at Highfield Road? Oh, I loved, I loved at Highfield Road. I thought it was very, very good. Uh, the players there were, were very welcoming with a lot at the start of the 1987 FA Cup winnings team were there. Mm. And they made you, I, I, I kind of thought, well, it's going to be difficult going in there and, and that squad's together. But they made you so welcome. Uh, it was it was quite easy. Not, reasonably easy to settle into that, that team uh, and of course if you're doing reasonably well it makes it even better and fortunately for me uh, I had to off right away and uh, and things kicked off for me so from that point of view uh, I think that's why I became one of the fans favourite mm, And you were moved to big spending Blackburn Rovers which obviously at the time was we wouldn't know what would happen in the future but did you, could you sense when you joined Blackburn that something was was starting there and, and they were looking at bigger things. Yes, it was very strange because uh, Coventry were financially struggling a little bit and really looking for money and I was one of uh, a couple of players that was going to bring that money in and uh, Kenny Douglas had phoned me and basically that was it. We'd done a deal, uh, got everything sorted uh, and, and it was off the Blackburn and I, I actually then thought, oh, done a minute here, I never checked how Blackburn were doing and I realised this is a team that's just been promoted. This could be a step backwards rather than a step forwards. But when I met Kenny uh, and he explained to me what him and Jack uh, wanted to do with the football club and showed me the outline of it, showed me the plans of the future, uh, basically uh, I jumped at it. Mm. And it was an eventful time at Blackburn for the club and for yourself. Obviously they won the league, but was it kind of bittersweet because I know you spent a lot of that season out injured? Oh, it was bittersweet, there's no doubt about it. You know, uh, I broke my leg the season before at the end of it and uh, you try and get back, you don't realise how bad an injury it is. It's, it was career-threatening. So I just got on with it, wanting to get back within about a month, thinking it, it was one of those ones, but it wasn't to be for me. So basically, um, that summer, I was trying to get myself fit when Blackburn and Rover, Rovers announced that they were paying a record five million pounds for Chris Sutton, and uh, it was it was hard to take. It was a bit of a choker because you're thinking that's a guy that's in my position. Uh, how am I going to feel? And uh, basically, I just put my head down and worked harder in the hope that, that I could get in and uh, and be part of the the squad really. Uh, because the way that Alan and, and Sutty uh, had a partnership together mm, the was just phenomenal for yeah. us, yeah. Yeah, and what was it like at the club, though, that day? I mean, it's one of the f- most famous days of the 90s when Blackburn won the league and obviously they lost the game to Liverpool. What was it like for you being part of that but not actually playing the game? It was surreal because it was like I was, I was nervous, I was anxious, just like the, the players, you know, uh, you're still part of that squad, even though you're not going to take part on the pitch. We were all there. Uh, and uh, on the day, you know, I knew how nervous I was because I knew that we had to win the game, really, and that was it. We won the league. It was as simple as that. But I knew the hurdle that we had was Liverpool and Manchester United and West Ham, which was the easier game, apparently, which would have seen us lose the game. But, mm. you know, the, the lads' emotions, I know the emotions on the bench were up and down. We score a goal, we lose a goal, you know, we lose a free kick, and, and you go behind. And you kind of think to yourself, oh, no, this this could be it. It's, it's up in the air, it's gone. And I think waiting for that 
that the, the call uh, to basically say that Man, Man United West Ham games finished a draw and you've won the league basically was it felt like we'd played three games <laughs> that's that's what it was like it was mm. so you kicked every ball you headed every ball you tried to score for the players and, and that was off the pitch so I dread to think what it was like for the guys that were on that pitch mm. were the parties long into the night even so well to be fair after the game and you do the celebrations the Liverpool fans were absolutely brilliant to us and they appreciated it uh, I think because Man United never won the league really mm. but because Kenny obviously a fan a Liverpool fan's favourite um, had won the league and I think that's why they kind of stood behind or stayed behind and supported Blackburn uh, and from that point of view and it was it was just surreal. We, we spoke to the manager after Neil Ruddock came barging into the dressing and showering everybody with champagne and <laughs> to, find, to find out what was happening. And yeah. uh, the gaffer just said, "Cause we've got nothing organised." Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> and the boys were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute, here, nothing." And uh, we ended up with had to go up and find out what Jack Walker's son Howard was up to. Had he had anything booked? And that's what I don't know. We're not seeing Howard. And basically Howard said, uh, we've booked a table for 25. Uh, of us are going to the Bistro Friends in Preston. And there'll be a shed with other people there. Uh, but we can't get everybody in. There's not going to be room. So we've ended up phoning a guy that, that ran at Ian at the time. And we ended up, I think there was 50 of us went upstairs in a, another special room until, until basically... Everybody downstairs, about 150 people had finished their meal and then they let us downstairs and we just danced the night away on the tables <laughs> uh, to the sound of the drifters. Oh, very good. Great memories. Uh, you've, and then you finished the decade at uh, Newcastle when you were Bobby Robson's first sign. What was he like playing under Bobby Robson? It was brilliant. You know, uh, it was a, a gut wrench to, to leave Blackburn and, and leave them in a predicament that we had been relegated. But I always felt, even at my age at that time, at 33, I'd still had a lot to offer in the Premier League. And for me, when Newcastle came calling, uh, it was brilliant. And so Bobby Robson went, and it was just a shame that they were sitting in the bottom three at the time. And it was like, oh my God, I'm going here for a relegation battle with Newcastle. Uh, but I went to do a job and, and work with Sir Bobby Robson, and, and it was fantastic. You know, I went there and basically got the bug of, of football coaching just through him, his enthusiasm, his right old age of 70, uh, was rubbing off on me. And I started doing coaching licenses and understanding the game a bit better at that age uh, to try and help me for the future. Uh, and it was, it was brilliant. I had two years of it, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. The fans took to me in the style of play, but I was just disappointed I, I didn't score the goals that, that they brought me in to, to score. Uh, uh, or I could have maybe have got another year out of it, but they didn't and replaced me, uh, I think, with a very similar player in Craig Bellamy. Mm. Yeah, and then finally, then just a quick word on Scotland. You, you, you played three different tournaments over the 90s. Do you have a favourite period playing for Scotland? 98, there's no yeah. doubt about it. The, 90, the, the campaign, uh, going to the World Cup in 98, you know, I didn't start the campaign. Uh, and, that, and that was a gut wrench uh, sitting on the bench watching the boys and, and then all of a sudden I get an opportunity I took the opportunity uh, scored six goals and, and got Scotland to the World Cup in 98 and uh, it was absolutely fantastic to be part of that squad uh, I'll always love my memories because when you draw Brazil 
Norway, Morocco, you just look at your first game. It's Brazil. It's the opening game of a World Cup, which will be watched by 80,000 people in a stadium, but about 8 billion people around the world. Mm. And that is just phenomenal. To, to turn back the clock as a, what, an 18-year-old kid, or a 19-year-old kid when you make your debut, uh, and the most you've played in front of was about 200 people, and then all of a sudden, you can tell people are playing in front of about 8 billion. And it's, it's massive, and, and, and that was, and for me, playing against Brazil was what I dreamt about and what I played football in my mum's back garden for, uh, was to play in a game like that. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time and your memories, Kevin. No problem. Yeah, thanks a lot. Well, cheers. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. Good stuff from Kevin then. You forget he was part of the Blackburn team, unfortunately, because he, he was injured. And uh, nice. I can't believe they didn't have anything planned for winning the title. That's quite ridiculous. Where's your aspiration? Yeah, I know. Jack Walker and all that money as well, but good memories. Right. We're talking strikers. We have mentioned a few already. And as I said, we'll try and even just mention a name of person because there are so many of this era uh, to talk about. But what, but what I've got in front of me, and I just thought I'd list this, is the top scorers... Um, from the pre- well, pre- first division straight Premier League of each season. Um, so 1990, Gary Lineker of Tottenham, 24. 91, Alan Smith, Arsenal, 22. 92 was Ian Wright, t- Arsenal, 29. 93 was Teddy Sheringham, Spurs, 22. 94, Andy Cole. And then we had three seasons of Alan Shearer, where he scored 30 goals, uh, two seasons with Blackburn. Then 97 was for Newcastle. Then 98 and 99 was shared, actually. So in 1998, Dub- Dion Dublin, Michael Owen and Chris Sutton scored 18 goals. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Dwight York and Michael Owen scored 18 goals. So what I'm going to just ask each guest to do is just pick out their personal favourite from that list so I'll start with Pete you can't pick him right because you've already <laughs> picked him and we've already spoke to him so of those strikers who would you just like a little shout out to and a little memory of um, I would say Shearer because Shearer yeah. was in my kind of my kind of era again of playing when I was playing as a kid um, and the fact that he went from from Blackburn top scorer at Blackburn then went to Newcastle done the same thing and then done it again the next year I mean that's just pure quality to do, to do it three seasons in a row and to score over 30 goals it's amazing because I think we as a, as a generation and not personally me but the football generation now sees Ronaldo and Messi score all those goals and they've come kind of nullified to how many but back then 30 goals in a season massive massive absolutely massive and it's the way he done it he scored all sorts yeah. of goals as well it, it wasn't like he was scoring them all one type of goal tap-ins or anything like that you know there was goals from outside the box with his head left foot right foot and obviously he had a great England career as well. Yeah. So he, he was doing it all I the mean, time. What, 260 goals, I think his Premier League record is. I know Rooney's not that far off it, but I don't think anyone's ever going to get near it. I mean, I don't know what you guys think. I think. And you bear in mind that he was out, I think, a long time twice, was it? With, done his cruise with his cruise yeah. and if it wasn't for the famous Richard Stedman I think his name is the doctor <laughs> in America I can't believe that's just popped into my head Good um, I mean from a games to goals perspective he must be right up there with yeah. I mean obviously you've got people like Romario but his <laughs> goals <laughs> record sure, and, and let's well be honest especially towards the end of his Newcastle um, career not in a brilliant team well that's, nah. that's, that's no. it I mean he, he scored most of his goals in, in what was yeah mainly a, a, a poor Newcastle side yeah. really um, and that's yeah, that's obviously testament to the guy. It was it was just class being able to score so many goals in in, in a not very good team. Obviously, they had a few very good seasons, but they were always 
fighting against relegation or mid-table in, in or put up with like Ter- Tamiri Kaspire and <laughs> Andres Anderson and Stephen Givart as his partner the poor bloke advertising <laughs> board warriors yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. now I think I always say this on the pod and luckily I don't think my dad really listens to everyone but he never rated Alan Shearer which is my hilarious anecdote from the 90s <laughs> that my dad never rated possibly the greatest English goal scorer of that era well, I think of well Alan Shearer this is the same with Michael Owen as well, who we probably will talk about a bit later um, as they become pundits do you think they're reputation and aura is diminished a little bit because they're not the best pundits on telly I think Mike Lowen gets quite a lot of stick as well and I think people then forget how good a players they were I totally agree with you I think that basically there are some people born to score goals and there are some people born to talk about football mm. and I don't always think the two match uh, I think Phil Neville is another great example yeah. not, <laughs> not a striker 50k, 50k for England Phil Neville that says a lot about England <laughs> over the last 20 years so um you know, really, I, th- I th- Shearer, the thing about Shearer was that he could score goals with left foot, right foot, head, inside the box, outside the box, free kicks, volleys. I mean, the goal that he's got, was it against Leicester or was it Everton? Where Everton, the, Everton, the pumping volley, yeah. Oh, wasn't, wow. wasn't in the 90s, but I let you have it. Yeah. yeah. But he could score, like you say, he could score the scruffy goals. People forget how brilliant Alan And he was, and he had that little mean streak as well. I think, like all good strikers, oh, he, was he, was, he was a dirty he kid. Was. He really was. Like that Neil <laughs> Lennon. Yeah, that, yeah, I always remember. Was it Neil Lennon he kicked in the face at Leicester? Allegedly kicked in the face at Leicester as well. I believe so, allegedly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you think as well, uh, <laughs> l- leading up to Euro 96, the bloke had gone a yeah. dry spell for England. And then to come into that tournament and, you know, lead the country forward from the front, score the goals that he did. I mean, the goal, I think, was it against Switzerland in the opener? Yeah, I mean, great finish. Great yeah. finish. Fantastic. Got yeah. his head in there against Germany in the semis. I mean, the bloke was on fire. That was his tournament. England should have won it. It was, it was off the back. Game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Holland well, off the back of that, he was the world, world record transfer, you know, for an Englishman. That You, yeah, you yeah. can't really think. I mean, I know a Welshman holds it at the moment, but at the time, you never really think an Englishman would hold that title, especially with so many amazing players in the 90s, especially strikers, but Alan Shearer held that as well. Um, we have to move on, because we could talk about Alan Shearer all day. Are you, who are you picking, Zav, out of that to what top scorer's list? Well, I was actually going to pick Shearer as well, but um, <laughs> sec- second choice will um, actually be Michael Owen. Uh, there's a lot of the, the earlier ones that I actually can't really remember, to be honest. Um, but yeah, Michael Owen, especially when he first burst into the onto the scene, he was mm. he was amazing. Um, so quick, um, very direct. But yeah, would would just score some some great goals. Um, and unfortunately, didn't go to uh, to plan uh, for the rest of his career. But for that period, though, for, exactly yeah. for for that. Period. I was convinced. I think pretty much sort of late 90s early 2000s I know we keep it 90s here but just talking about Michael they he'd break the England goal scoring record I was absolutely uh, if I had if I someone asked me then to place a bet absolutely. I would have said Michael yes. Owen he's going to annihilate that record and if it hadn't been that twang of a hamstring I think it was against Leeds was it when he first injured it for Liverpool I think because I would have picked Michael Owen myself out of that list because I was a huge huge Michael Owen fan I think <laughs> Not that I was any near him, but the type of the, his game, I was all about paces when I played football as a kid. And I think the fact that he was so fast, like ridiculously fast, even from the off, the guy at the goal he scored in his debut, I think, against Wimbledon in 97. And he was just, un, he was uncatchable. But his finishing as well, yeah. Ash. I mean, he was, he was up there with, you know, his pace and his quickness, his acceleration away from the ball. And, you know, he had the pace, but unlike, say, and I'm sorry, I'm going to say this, like a Walcott or an Oxlade Chamberlain, mm-hmm. he knew what to do with it. Yeah. You know, and these younger the, players. The goonery next to me. Sorry, lads. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. 
he almost invented that kind of lift finish. Yeah, he did. That, yeah. that, that finish where you go through on the keeper and kind of lift it over and across the keeper, where the keeper doesn't quite know where to position himself. And he, he basically, I feel, he kind of trademarked that. Yeah, it was, that was like his finish. Like Henri has got the open the body and slot it in the far yeah. corner. Mike Lowen had that go through lift it into when the he was one on one as well. You, you oh, bet, yeah, he's yeah, one of those you bet your house. Brilliant one on one strike. That hat trick of Newcastle was it with the rub of the hands? Yeah, yeah. yeah. pull in. So that old hat trick. Two goals in yeah. the FA Cup final. Of was course, that, was that yeah, that was two thousand and one. Oh, but I'll let you have it because it's Mike Lowen. Rob, are you going to pick from that list? Um, I'm going to go a bit obscure. I'm going to go for Dion Dublin. Okay. And the reason I'm going to go... I didn't think he was going to get mentioned, but go on. But there we go. Um, <laughs> Homes under the hammers, Dion Dublin. So yeah. I should have, yeah. <laughs> I was shocked when I saw that. <laughs> I think we all were, especially the presenters. Um, um, you know, I think that for Coventry, who, uh, you know, were annually escaping relegation and had been since the Normans invaded in 1066, yeah. for, you know, for Dion Dublin to come along and score, what was it, 18 goals or something yeah. like that in a season? It's absolutely fantastic. And I think he's the sort of player that you don't really appreciate what he does for the team until you watch him play. And Millwall didn't have him in the 90s, but they had him in the early noughties, about 2000, 2001. There's the reason. And <laughs> he's all around playing. Where are you a defender then? <laughs> I was going to say, how many games of those... Uh how many goals was it? 22? He got 18. 18, 18 goals. How many games did he play at centre back? Yeah, it was late. Yeah. yeah. And he was a great centre back. And he, he was, was a fantastic centre back. And it, but he's all round play. And I remember, you know, him and Huckabee up front for Coventry in the 90s were brilliant. The complement of the two. You mm. had. Dublin who was just brute strength and you know flicking on the headers but could also play with his feet and Huckabee's pace fantastic and for a team like Coventry and no disrespect to Coventry fans but look where you are now you're the same legs as we are you know for, for you to be I've got Joe Cole Ted, you know Ten years, nineties link, but go on, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, for, for Coventry to have a top, uh, you know top score like that, who's banging in eighteen goals, fantastic. I mean, they hadn't had a, a player like that since what Mickey Quinn. <laughs> I mean, someone like Robbie that. Keane, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Robbie Robbie Keane, Keane, yeah, only for a couple of seasons, but but, but he got an England cap off a couple as well on, didn't the, he? on, on the back, back of it. Yeah. And he moved to Villa, and he was no, I did, and in the air there weren't many beating. No, well, there was one, and we'll talk about him in a mix. He played in, in hoops, but um, yeah, Dion Dublin was very very good <laughs> in the air. Um, Personally, I mean, I would have chosen Michael Owen myself um, as well from that list. But going right back to the beginning of the nineties, I mean, again, he's another one I think been nullified by the fact that he now presents Match of the Day. But Gary Lineker, I mean, he was probably my first hero as a, as a as a footballer. Just to see him, you know, Italian nineties is one I recall just about as a World Cup, and and he was the man, wasn't he? You know, number ten, Absolutely. Gary Lineker. I think a lot of players say that now. You know, likes Michael and looked up to Gary, and I think again, you know, people see him on the TV and forget what a brilliant striker he was. He was fantastic, and I think as well, if you, you know, all right, his, his spell out in Japan didn't go too well, but um, you know, across his career, and I know he's mainly an eighties yeah. player, but you know, fantastic goal scoring record for Leicester in the eighties, and then you know, going down to Tottenham, and you think about his all round play. And you know, he, oh, all right, he wasn't known for anything outside the six no. or eighteen yard box, but he was there. It was just an old school. It was the fox in the fox box. In the box. Yeah, it was yeah. Arsene Wenger's favourite phrase. That's, yeah. that's what we call him in yeah. France. So yeah. that's why he, 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 Wenger he came out with it. But yeah, it was just a because I did a bit of homework and watched some Gary Lineker goal and um, yeah, they all came from inside the yeah. box. Never booked um, as well, and never booked either. Yeah, wouldn't happen nowadays. But yeah. Never booked and, and notoriously a terrible trainer as well. We always watch that um, the show on Sky Sports on, on a Friday night, which I love, Fancy FC. Um, and they talk about Gary Lineker and players who played with him and said he was an awful trainer, which shows you how brilliant of a and player. I think he's not too bad on match of the day either. But he's all right. He's no Des. Come on. No, <laughs> We're no, a big no. fan of Des on this podcast. <laughs> Des Lyman, bring him back. That's what I say. Okay. Not, 
Not a kit lady's favourite either, really, after the Ireland game. I mean, no, yeah. Uh, well, you've got to go, you've got to go. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a second list of players, and I'm going to do those, and then we're going to turn it, attention to abroad as well and mention a few names. Um, I'm not going to go through... Well, actually, I might need to give everyone a mention here. So these are just names that didn't make the top scorers list, but also were just so brilliant in the 90s. And again, I'll pass it around, and we can mention one each. So, but this group I've got... So this is kind of Premier League-based. Robbie Fowler, Les Ferdinand, Stan Collymore, Matt Letitia, who we have mentioned, Zola and Burkamp, who technically we'll talk more about in a in a foreign stars pod later in the season. Mark Hughes, Cantona, we spoke about in this pod quite a lot. Ian Rush, Jurgen Klinsmann, Oli Gunnarsholskar, Ravinelli, we spoke about before, and and Nicholas Nelka, and that was just Premier League. So again, slightly quicker this time, so we're, not, we're running out of time. Pete, who would you choose out of that list? Um, as an Arsenal fan, it's got to be Robbie Fowler because he absolutely destroyed us. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, was quickest hat trick in Premier League? Still is, yeah. I think it's still uh, is. I mean, quickest, I don't yeah. know whether it'll be beaten to be honest. With you. It's like four crazy. minutes, twenty something seconds. Is it, I think. Is it Sadio Mane? Crazy quick. Oh yes, he was. Yeah, season. good knowledge. Yeah, he was. Yeah, just beaten. Sadio Mane. Yeah. That's why you're on the quiz yeah. team. Yeah. Well, I mean, That's why he's <laughs> on our quiz team tonight as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean it, like, stuck in the nineties. What can I say? It lasted quite a long time. You're talking. 20 odd years yeah so, I mean obviously he, he had his problems and stuff I mean not problems but he had, had, yeah, no, he had a reputation yeah. he had a bit of a reputation and again he had that itch didn't he and, yeah and he's he went, he went away from Liverpool as well. back to Liverpool he's adored by Liverpool he's um, God yeah um, and, and he can finish he, well, as a finisher, I think I think people always say of, of natural finishers, Robbie Fowler is oh, he's up there. He's up there yeah, because without a doubt, yeah, as again, like Michael, they both come in so young and never look like never phased them. They came in, took the, you know, again, he's another one. Didn't really get many England caps. Ian Wright and Andy Cole syndrome for England, though. That's the thing. Well, he never. I don't think he got as many chances as both was uh, Cole and. But and when Wright. he played, he didn't play well, and I don't know if that's yeah. down to pressure or whether that's down to you know just not being able to step up to that level. There were lots of players. I mean, Darius Vassell. I know we're going off off years yeah, here, but for. But England, could step yeah. up for England. Peter Crouch to a certain extent. Peter Crouch is fantastic. We did. Sorry, you mentioned Cole. Though we didn't even mention him when we were going around the first time around. But again, I, we have to say very in a quick like ten second how brilliant Andy Cole was. I know he never trans did it onto the international stage, but as a Premier League goal scorer for Newcastle, fantastic. Um, I thought that Badil and Skinner were a little bit harsh with old football was rubbish, except for Andy Cole during yeah. um, the fantasy football days. But you know, towards the end of the century, you know, um, you know, especially in that scene with Dwight York, yeah, fantastic. Oh, you know, yeah, York and Cole, York, yeah. at Barcelona, the game that they played down there, you know, um, at the new Camp, them two tore it up. They were fantastic. The movement, the passing, mm. one touch. And that's what you want. They had that intuitive thing, yeah. you know, that you don't you don't always get with your strikers. I mean, five, that, first player to score five goals as well, which I know it's become slightly re- a kind of something that, that happens quite Ipswich? a lot now. Yeah, yeah, it was against Ipswich. Well done, Pete. Nine nil. Um, Zav, are you going for on the secondary list? Um, I'm going to go for. It's a difficult one. There's, there's two really that um, stick out. It's uh, Letizia, um and I think it's been. Mentioned on his point Yeah we did hit a Maverick So yeah uh, again Different type of striker But love, love the fact as well That uh, I think it's been mentioned On the, post as, on the, on the pod as well That um, he was um, Xavi's favourite player yeah. yeah he was Brilliant uh, And the other one And the other one was uh, Burkamp Yeah uh, just, just class Yeah as I've said repeatedly, and I'll be, it's like a broken record, best overseas player in the Premier League. Absolutely. Best yeah. thing Bruce Rielk ever I mean, done for the Premier League. Only good. Well, David <laughs> Platt as well. <laughs> <laughs> we always go back to these, but his, his goal against 
um, Newcastle. Yeah. He meant Gen- to do it. He meant to do it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure he did. Yeah. And um, the, the one with Holland in the semi-final of oh, the 98 World Cup. What a ball from De Boer, though. Well, we, but, <laughs> I, we crowned that the best goal of the 90s because I, I, I think for, I went a bit crazy on talking about that first touch because it, it's ridiculous. Like, absolutely yeah, it's amazing. absolutely amazing. Only player to win or get one, two, three in the match of the day. Goal of the month. Goal yeah. of the month. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Stunning, stunning, stunning footballer. Who are you choosing out of that list, Rob? I was going to go for Letizia, who I thought was lethargically brilliant, um, but I'd probably go for um, Zola if yeah. I can't pick him because I just thought he was absolutely mercurial, I think, at the time. For Chelsea to um, have a player like him, they weren't the Chelsea of today. Um, he was a little bit something special. And, uh, you know, we're talking football, but off the pitch, he was just a nice guy as well. Yeah. Um, I think, though, someone we should probably mention is Solskjaer, who scored, who scored the winner in the Champions yeah. League final. You know, the it, ultimate super sub of the night. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. If you could have someone on your bench, he's really going to Of that list, I'd like to just quickly mention Jürgen Klinsmann, because I think it was brilliant that he played in the Premier League when he was so, so good and for a club. No, against, not, nothing against Tottenham, but at the time, they weren't a title chasing no. club. Gave, gave um, us a great celebration to recreate. Exactly. We still did well. deny. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm going to put my biased hat on now and say that we can't do a 90 strike. Strikers pod without mentoring Sir Les, who for me best header of the ball I've ever seen, especially at Loftus Road. And he wasn't—he's not even that tall. Um, I think he's just under six foot, maybe just over six foot. But for a guy that you wouldn't say is you know out ordinary, out of the ordinary tall, he, he could head a ball. His jump was ridiculous. Power, strength. Guy that the only person that I kind of compare him to in the modern day is Didier Drogba. That was the kind of what Les Ferdinand was like. He had power, he had speed, he had strength. I, I think, for as far as his aerial ability goes, I think it was actually better than Drogba. I think Drogba yeah. was probably better on the floor. I'm not, not going to disagree. Um, I think, but Ferdinand, I remember um, uh, the year that you knocked us out. Uh, um, at Loftus Road with a penalty Club we had tickets Wilson, to go yeah. to Old Trafford we'd already bought them um, <laughs> through my uncle <laughs> and, so we had to go up and um, we watched it and I remember speaking to the Manchester United fans who were absolutely delighted that Ferdinand didn't play that day no, he was and, and you know basically I think his prowess up front the way that he held your line together um, was absolutely brilliant but as far as I mean was, what's happened to Wegley? What? You know, you're not. Well, I was trying not to be too biased, and because he wasn't, I've mentioned him nearly every week that I was not. But yeah, that's mentioned Roy Wegley how funny <laughs> he was. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but yes, Roy Wegley was my hero. But yes, and he can be added to the list. But he's, yeah, he's more of a flair as well. He was going in a later pod that when we talk about foreign players, he was one of the very, the very few that was there in the beginning of the Premier League. But I'm talking about another pod when we still got millions of things to talk about on this. Um, so yeah, Les Ferdinand for me. I don't know if Pete and Zav want to talk about Les Ferdinand. I'll let you for five seconds. No, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've waxed lyrical enough. Okay, before we go then, we haven't even covered abroad because there's, there's so many strikes to talk about. So, if you again, I'm going to just go around to each person, especially Zav, since he's come from overseas to talk to us uh, about um, the strikers. I'll let you go first. A couple of names. We've mentioned Del Piero already. Yeah, there was, there was, there used to be obviously, because uh, uh, there was the time where Serie A was, was the best league in the world. Uh, so some great strikers there, uh, but two that really that stick to mind are uh, Shevchenko, yeah. um, who obviously a lot of people just remember for his Chelsea days, but before that was arguably the best striker in the world, best player in the yeah. world. Amazing at Kiev. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he made oh, Kiev a European yeah. force, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, him, and, him and Rebrov up front were, mm. were amazing. I think we mentioned last, but the, the, the night Barcelona, or the group Barcelona and Newcastle were in, the Tino Spree night, they both didn't qualify from that yeah, group. Uh, Dinamo D- Kiev and uh, PSV. Yeah. But because Kiev was so good, because they had those two guys up front. Mm. 
Um, so good choice on that and, one. Uh, and another one that I, I really liked was uh, Pipo Inzaghi. Yep. Yeah. Um, so actually just loved his celebrations. He used to like celebrate with the, the winner in a Milan derby or a 5 nil against the, the fifth goal in a 5 nil win against Sassuolo or, or something just as if he'd won the World Cup. Um, it, it was it was amazing. And yeah, like, like Lineker we were mentioning before just at the ultimate fox in the box um, remember I was spent a year in Italy um, and I think he scored something like his 200th career goal or, or something along these lines and the, uh, the Gazzetta dello Sport had this um, little well really long article on, on him and all the goals he'd scored uh, in his career and uh, out of 200 only one came from outside the box <laughs> which I thought was amazing and well, I don't think it happened in today's game that sort of stat it was literally no. just just like out, out, just outside of the box uh, and yeah all other 199 or however many it was at the time were all inside <laughs> I've the got box. no problem with that if they go in they go in Pete Let's go. I know you chose Del Piero. Any other names from abroad? That- yeah, I'll go straight back to Italy with Baggio. Yeah. Again, not technically an out and out striker, yeah. but he scored like one. He, he was one of these players. He was again. He was like a bit of a Burkamp, but he, he he scored a lot of goals for someone who technically wasn't meant to score a lot of goals because of the position he played. He scored a hell of a lot of goals. Um, and Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say if never said it he'd be the one he'd be the he is like the ultimate striker of the 90s and he was so young oh nine I mean, yeah. what was he 19 18 19 when he come I'll be forget he was in the 94 squad that yeah. won the world cup he was a 16 yeah, 17 round yeah, yeah, and you sub in the final yeah I mean fantastic player again power pace everything yeah we say that about a lot of players that they can they can do everything they can score every type of goal but Ronaldo literally and I'm using that word in its actual physical sense could score any, any time it was, it was, yeah, he was amazing uh, well they called him Phenomenon didn't they and that's yeah. what yeah. he was, yeah. was. if he hadn't been injured so often mm. he would have been yeah. up there with Maradona and Pele yeah I agree, I agree. interesting as interesting story I mean when he should have played in the 1998 World Cup final and um, I was told by someone um, do I have to use the alleged, allegedly Alleg- word? Did you use it allegedly? Uh, allegedly, um, <laughs> I was told by the head of the Brazilian FA. Allegedly, allegedly, um, that uh, Nike allegedly paid the Brazilian government allegedly a uh, million dollars allegedly to make him play in the final, and that's why he come back on. But he, had, you know, and you think for the player that he was in the World Cup that he'd already had in '98, yeah. you know, he should have really owned that stage in France. Yeah. Really shouldn't have been for looking. No. But no, of course not. Um, it's, it's good that he had his redemption in 2002. But what a player he was! Uh, I mean. Yeah, exactly. And to come back from those injuries, but yeah, I think Ronaldo. I think a lot of people would say probably the best striker or of the night of everyone. I think he would probably be the Absolutely. best. Absolutely, um, Rob. Have you got anyone else from abroad that you'd like to mention that we haven't spoke about before? Uh, Batty goal. Yeah. Um, so we have a missing member of our team tonight <laughs> for the for the Footmanager quiz, um, who also took a lot of pictures for the the book. Who we would have talked about him instantly, <laughs> Mr. Liam Shepherd, um, because that was his favourite player. But still, I think I think Messi's about to overtake or near his goal scoring record. But Argentina's greatest ever goal scorer. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, I think the shame is he's only one. I think he only won two league titles. One was in Argentina, and I think the other was was with Roma. With mm. Roma, yeah, very early on. And yeah. yeah, and you know, he didn't have the greatest of times at Roma. I think was it Trapper. Tony there and him Capello. had a, a Capello had a falling yeah. out and um, but he stayed with Fiorentina for a long time when he was considered to be one of the best strikers in the world yeah. and the law that he showed to them 
you know, was uh, phenomenal in a time when a lot of other players were moving for bigger money. He actually moved over to Italy, stayed there, scored the goals, and Fiorentina weren't a brilliant side except for him at the time, as far yeah. as I remember. And then um, Nintendo sponsored kit. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure you can get from classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Um, I'd like to mention Davos Suka. Superb. Just because I think in Euro 96, I fell in love with the guy because I never had, you know, at that time, again, no blanket coverage of football. You hadn't heard of these guys, the Carol Bosworski syndrome. And he just came on the scene and, again, a different type of striker. He was quite lanky, but he could score so many, I like to call them beautiful goals. Chip versus Schmeichel, oh, Euro 96. Michael, and then he went on to play Romjid. I mean, it's quite disappointing that he never quite had the same impact in the Premier League when he was with Arsenal because I remember the day he signed and I was like brilliant I can't wait to watch him every yeah, week it was so exciting yeah, it, was. it really was I think he was the entry but yeah for me Davos Suka I mean Toto Scalacci is also another 90s name that I know you can only oh. mention for six months well not even that, <laughs> a month <laughs> but he's synonymous with just Italian 90 um, Roger Miller Roger Miller again George Weir we have not mentioned PSG's Mr. Finals, George, yeah. Mr. George yeah. and well, you, you chose your 90s CV as well didn't I you did, that yeah. goal fantastic player um, Verona as we, we were discussing <laughs> pre-pod um, and I'm sure that we've probably missed somebody out um, but my final question to the guys before we go because we are running out of time so we've, you're picking your 90s dream team we're going to play a 4-4-2 because it's the 90s we don't do one up front who's your front two Rob um, can I pick from abroad and yeah, any, yeah anyone we spoke about right I've got uh, I think it's probably got to be uh, Bastuta and Letizia oh <laughs> controversial Sam oh, it's a tough one yeah. uh, I'm going to go for Shevchenko Shevchenko and Itzagi. I think I'm going to go very full Serie A. Yeah, Serie A. And partnering Ian Wright in your front too. <laughs> <laughs> it depends. If I go with my heart, it's always going to be Ian Wright. If, if I go with my head, you, you, Ronaldo Bergkamp. Yeah, that's not something, bad. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, I'd um, say. It would be... No one said Shearer. We waxed lyrical about him in the beginning, yes. and he's on the bench. He's on the bench. <laughs> he's on the bench. <laughs> I think pushed. Head says Shearer, Ronaldo. Heart says Owen Bergkamp with Suka on the bench. But that's I'll leave that. With. But let us know what you think. If you want to tweet us what your front two would be, uh, '90s dream team, then let us know. We will be doing our team of the '90s at some point, and where we'll probably incorporate this pod as well um, using that. So you know, drop, drop us a line on Twitter, AK '90s. But until next week, thank you, Pete. Thank you, Zav. Thank you, Rob. We're off now Cheers. to. Cheers do, oh, I had two questions really, really quickly because they were tweeted at us earlier, and I'll see if we can get them quickly. Andrew Rayburn asked that there was a player. Recalled to the England squad in 1999, but not played for five years. Title winner off the top of your head, can anyone know? It's quite a toughie. I'm getting them warmed up for the FM quiz here, and they're looking very puzzled. Called in 1999. I'm going to say you might, you should know it more than anyone. Defender for Arsenal, Kion. Lee when, Dixon uh, Lee Dixon yeah. and the other, under Wilkinson Yeah And yeah. the other question we had, which was from the Rotham yearbook, asked us who was the first manager to be sacked in the Premier League era, which has been on the pod before, I think. He's a good warm-up, boys. <laughs> that, I don't think we're going to do very well. <laughs> we're not going to win the quiz. It's Ian Porterfield at Chelsea. who was later replaced by Dave Webb. So we'll let you know how we get on with the FM quiz. But until next week, thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on Thanks once again. Thank you. Uh, keep it 90s. This podcast is a West 12 Media and Burble Media production. Alive and Kicking is proudly supported by Classic Football Shirts, the home of classic, rare and retro football shirts. For 100% genuine non-reproduction retro shirts, head to classicfootballshirts.co.uk and use the bonus code AK90s to receive a 10% discount on your order. Alive and